Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode number 16. And our guest is Larry Murphy, NHL Hall of Famer and a former Red Wing. And uh, Larry, thanks for being uh, on the podcast. We really appreciate your time. Well, I, I really did have did not have an option, so I'll try to I'll try to do my best and let on like I'm actually happy that I'm doing it. <laughs> right, 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 Well, great, Larry. Well, let me ask you then a question. Uh, no, I, I don't want. Why aren't you in the top 100 then, Larry? No, no, um, you should be. But let me. I look at your career here in Detroit, and if you didn't have an affiliation with Scotty Bowman in, in Pittsburgh, do you think you ever would have been a Red Wing? Yeah, that's. Uh... That's an interesting question, and I think the answer would be probably not. Uh, uh, it all happened, it was almost like last minute. As far as I know, I mean, things could be different. I, I didn't get the call until quarter to three, the day, the day uh, trade deadline day. So, um, you know, obviously they're waiting until the last second to, uh, they needed, the Wings needed a defenseman. I think, of course, Scotty could, could speak, you know, because of the time I played with him in Pittsburgh, so he had to, definitely had a big part. But kind of a side story to that is that I had no idea. I had a no trade clause. And I had no idea that uh, um, I was going to get traded. And fortunately, I had a phone by me at quarter to three because if I was unable to take that call and waive my cl- uh, no trade clause, the trade would never have happened. So. I was just kind of, I wasn't really thinking about being traded at the time. And fortunately, you know, sometimes your cell phone's out of battery or it's in the car. And it kind of, it kind of scares me when I think that, boy, this trade might not have happened. How long did it take you to say, I'm waving it? Was it like a millisecond or did you have to think maybe for 10 seconds? Well, it was, uh, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I try not to say yes right away. You know, I try. I did my best, uh, but um, yeah, it was basically a no-brainer decision. Um, uh, the Wings, at that course, at that time, had a great chance to win the cup. That was really the only reason I was going to wave my my clauses to go to a team that had a chance to win, and uh, it was just you know, down the four hundred one, which made it that much easier. But Scotty was the coach, so I mean, it was really a, a real easy decision for me to come to a team that had a real legitimate shot of taking it all. When you look back at it, and, you know, you had, people always say, well, what was Scotty Bowman like? And, you know, I read Ken Dryden's book, The Game, and, you know, and how intense he was and how he was in St. Louis, the horror stories. I said, maybe we lucked out. We got him late in his career because he was a pretty nice guy, really. But you saw him in Pittsburgh, and then you saw him in Detroit. How would you describe him? Because I really think, regardless of sport, I think he's the greatest coach of all time. Well, yeah, I, you can definitely make that argument. He's the greatest coach of all time, and and uh, this, there's all, there's great Scotty stories, no matter where where he was. Even in Detroit, they're, they're tremendous stories. I just I just wish somebody would would make the effort and, and collect these stories, go around, talk to everybody, and put it together because it would be one of the most interesting reads of, of, for anybody in, in, in sports. And Scotty was um, he adapted to the situation. Uh, he he coached differently here in uh, Detroit than he did in in Pittsburgh, but uh, just as effective. Uh, uh, always knowledgeable. Always uh, his greatest strength, I thought, was knowing the opposition and putting forth the best game plan to beat him. He did it in Pittsburgh, and he did it here in Detroit. Well, yeah, I, I think I told you this story, and I, I, I've said it before when uh, on, on the radio, but. Uh, 
when they acquired you on the trade deadline, it was like noontime. And back then, you know, it was like Christmas Day for, for reporters because the Red Wings always were making moves. And yeah. so Scotty comes in. I'm not exaggerating. He comes skipping into the Red Wing room, you know, and he says, he goes, we just made a deal, but you can't tell anyone till 3 o'clock. I'm going to tell you now. Because he, I just think he was compelled. He had to tell somebody. He was so excited. He goes, we just got Larry Murphy from Toronto for future considerations. And we're all like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and what else? You know, because, because he was so excited, which goes to show you what he thought of you as a player. And because I guess the media re reaction, because his next line was, look. He's really, really going to help us. He's a really good player. And when Scotty said that, we all believed him. But, I mean, the transition in, in coming to Detroit, coming to this team, but having a relationship with Scotty beforehand and having him confidence in you, I know the team was good, but that had to be make the transition even that much easier for you. What made it easier is I'm well aware of uh, the, the style of play. Uh, you know, Scotty basically felt if you had the puck uh, a lot more than the opposition, you're gonna you're gonna win the game, and that's the way it was in Pittsburgh with them. And in coming to Detroit, I knew that was the way it was. So I felt comfortable uh, from day one here in Detroit because first of all, I, knew I played for the coach before. Plus, the team was extremely talented and and played a puck possession game, which uh, I you know I believe too. That's 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 how you win. So, I, you know, getting here it was uh, it was a great fit for me, and and th felt comfortable quite quickly so it was it was it was a very fortunate for me yeah that was a, an interesting time because uh, uh, once the playoffs started uh, I know we, we've talked about this the big speech in St. Louis that Stevie gave <laughs> wasn't a dry eye and all that. <laughs> but but we can we, we can go on about that but the interesting thing about that playoff run in the Stanley Cup final against the Legion of Doom Everyone assumed that Vladdy would go up against the Legion of Doom and it'd be this like physical war out on the ice. That wasn't the case. You and Nick went up against the Legion of Doom and they never had the puck. Well, that was Scott. That was interesting. Yeah, Scotty's approach. And uh, he led, um, that's kind of his gamemanship too. He kind of led everybody to believe that he was going to play power against power. He's going to have Vladdy out there banging heads against Lindros. And uh, I think the Flyers were expecting that. And. Uh, um, you know, the Legion of Doom were getting all fired up. They were gonna, they were gonna let Vladdy, you know, slow him down, and they were gonna really take it to him. And so we get out there, and all of a sudden it's me, uh, me and Nick, and they, and uh, we found they couldn't, you know, they they didn't have the puck much, and and they couldn't get really near anybody, and uh, they definitely uh, it caught them by surprise. And, and and Scotty was very effective, and you know that was a smart move on his part to to play him in that sense. Don't give them, don't give the, the fans in Philadelphia any to cheer about when, you know, when Lindros, uh, you know, Vladdy go at it. You know, he, he wanted to make sure things were pretty calm and, and it was really very calm in, in the spectrum when uh, when we were there or whatever they call it, the, for the, uh, I think it was, the yeah, FU, yeah, the FU yeah, building yeah. and uh, First Union. And uh, uh, it was totally, it was different from the, for the Flyers' perspective because yeah, they played. Those guys were out there, and they just basically all they could do was skate around. When you're, well, when you're on the ice like that, as this as this series progressed, and obviously the Red Wings swept the Flyers, do you know that you're getting under the opponent's skin? Were they getting frustrated because you know they're they're out there to score goals, obviously, but hit things and play this physical style? And you know, you and Nick are kind of like the ice capades. Well, the uh, it was. I mean, we had the element of. of uh, 
we we had a well balanced team when we had guys out there that could really grind it out. Obviously, the grind line is comes to mind right off the bat, and um, it was a bad. And in Philly, the games they they weren't cakewalks by any no. means. I mean, they're, they're, the games were tight. We were just. Uh, uh, we just found a way to win each each one, and then I, by the time we got to Game Four, I think the Flyers had, you know, the, they were they were a done team, they were a beaten team, and you know they threw the best that they could at us, and it wasn't it wasn't enough. And Game Four was uh, kind of they were just hanging on and waiting for you know they knew that the, the, the you know the end was near for them. Right, and then the celebration. When you look back, and you won cups in Pittsburgh, obviously, but I still think in '97. The celebration afterwards was just incredible how this town, and I mean everybody, just embraced the Red Wings. Well, I mean, a lot of lean years here, uh, Art, as you, I'm sure right. you could speak to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Growing up here, I know. Yeah. And you know, this was a storied franchise and ran into a huge, you know, dry spot and a lot of, you know, pent-up excitement there for the fans. And, and um, it was, you know, it was a case of winning the Stanley Cup, but what it has been 40-something years. It was kind of a return, you know. It was like the return to greatness for the for the storied Detroit Red Wings. So, you know, combine that with the with with winning the cup and a lot of you know a lot of such a long drought that uh, it was just an explosion right here in this building when they, when we won Game Four. Right, you go and win back to back here in Detroit. Unfortunately, it's the limo accident, which has been well documented, and. Every Red Wing that I've talked to that was on that 98 winning cup team said, you know, we didn't care about the regular season at all. We really didn't. I mean, we knew that we were going to make the playoffs. We knew how good we were. We just wanted that those playoffs to begin because we wanted to win that cup for Vladdy. Yeah, that was definitely a rallying cry for uh, for Vladdy uh, and for Manatsukhanov, right, too, the trainer. Too, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I would say – I wouldn't say the regular season didn't mean anything. It was – it was uh, um, you looked at it as an, as a time to try to get the te- yourselves and the team best prepared for the playoffs. It was it was yeah everything was geared towards the playoffs, but you couldn't pass on the regular season. There's just no on and off switch, and and um, there was times during the year, of course, where where you know, things lagged. You have the Stanley Cup hangover. That's right. that's a tough one to deal with, and you know, we fought we fought through that. But I think guys were wanted to be at their best. When the puck dropped for Game One of the playoffs, and and I think they used the regular seasons to get themselves there, but it wasn't a case of taking it off by by any stretch of the imagination. Right, and you know, again, and I think it, back then the story was too is that it wasn't so much a surprise that the Red Wings were going to win back to back cups, and up until this year when Pittsburgh finally did it, no, you know, it had been twenty years since a, a team had done that. Was the fact is is that you go from Mike Vernon to Chris Osgood, you do it with two different goalies, which at that point, I'm not going to say it was unheard of, but it was kind of extraordinary that you know the two different goalies won the Stanley Cup for you. Yeah, it's yeah that, that makes it unique in the sense. Uh, I think with with Osgood, um, I mean, it was a it was a it wasn't an easy decision to go with with Vernon in '97. Uh, Scotty, uh, um, he liked the experience. Uh, he always leaned towards okay. experience, and and I think that's what kind of edged out. I, the way I saw it was the way it, he went that direction instead of Chris Osgood. Ozzy was was ready at that time also, but 
you know, he, he had the luxury of, of uh, two great goaltenders. So it goes with Vernie and then comes back. And then there's a nice thing, too. You know, you try to stay hungry. And then everybody uh, rallied around, of course, winning it for Vladdy. But for, you look at the goaltender, look at Chris Osgood. I mean, he's a guy that he, he's as hungry as anybody. And, that, and that's, you know, you want your goalie to be that way. I mean, he wants to show, hey, I can do this. And it played perfectly, uh, played out perfectly, where we got great goaltending from two different guys in two different years. Larry, I know we have you only for a limited time because we could talk for a couple of hours, actually. So I'm going to. Yeah, I could listen to you, Art, for hours. Well, (laughs) (laughs) thank you, Larry. It's always full of compliments. That's why that's why we've always gotten along so well. (laughs) But we're full of it. Uh, (laughs) That's exactly exactly right. I, I want to ask you about playing with Nick because Nick has always credited all his defensive partners that he had uh, throughout his uh, career. But you guys really seem to have a pretty unique bond and chemistry, and Nick has always pointed that out. What was it like to, and I'm not going to say mentor him, but to you know play with him and you guys meshing so well? Well, first thing, I mean, Nick is one of the greatest players of all time. So to play with him was, you know, puts me in a fortunate situation. But he was the type of uh, partner that I really like playing with. I always, I, I always wanted a guy I could work with with the puck, uh, a guy that would all, would play his position strongly. Because you know I tried to do the same thing. I, I tried to live off of being in the right place at the right time, and, and Nick was was the best at that. So it was a, definitely a, a compliment. Uh, uh, you know, they always talk about well, you want you know one defenseman to be an offensive guy and one guy to be a defensive guy. Well, I, you know, I don't you know I don't buy that. You got guys that that can work together, right. and, and Nick was so he stepped right in. I didn't play with Nick right away. Mm. I actually played with uh, Sergey Fedorov was a partner <laughs> before I got to Nick. Yeah, you know, that's a great but story what a great, too. What a great player! I mean, it was just because uh, I always knew I could always count on him, and he'd always if I had the puck, he always give me an out. Um, just Mr. Mr. Reliable. That's exactly what Nick was, and the uh, best defenseman I ever played with. Well, yeah, the thing I like about Sergey was is that Sergey was on defense for like two or three games. You're thinking that he's going to be your partner the whole time, and he didn't miss a beat. Man. Well, yeah, I mean, Sergey's a talented guy. Yeah, he, he it was a very unique approach to defense. Uh, it was effective, but unique. <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, you know, if you want somebody to play that game, uh, you know, 82 games is a season, but he, he brought in... Um, he, he was, he, as I said, he was effective, and, and on the short term, it was uh, it was a great move by Scotty, and he loved that stuff. Scotty loved, uh, you know, putting the Russian five together. He loved, he always wanted to do things differently, and then putting Sergey on the uh, on defense, playing him with me, I, um, it was definitely gave teams a lot of headaches because they they didn't know what they were going to see out there. You know, Larry, to wrap it up because I know we're running out of time. I I, I really wanted to ask you about the fact is is that. You embraced Detroit. Detroit embraced you. Uh, you you're here all, all the time. Uh, you live here. You you know you. What was it about Detroit? Because you know you could have walked into virtually. You could go back to L.A. You know you're a hero. You can go back to Pittsburgh. You could go back to Ontario if you wanted to. You could. I guess what I'm saying. You could live anywhere you want in the world. Probably. Why 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 stay here? Why why embrace the Red Wing culture? Well, I, looking at the city uh, and the state, it it felt like home right away. It was uh, I just love the people here. I, I love what the what the city and state has to offer, and I couldn't think of anywhere else I would I would rather be. To be perfectly honest, uh, yeah. In January, am I looking forward to going south for a week or two to thaw out? Yeah, but um, I you know I had no desire to leave Michigan and and and, and never really looked anywhere else. And 
of course, they had some extraordinary media people too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, coverage was out was outstanding. Okay. It was, yeah, yeah, okay, Art, there you go. I, I, there, there, there's your bone. There you go. I remember, <laughs> I remember one time you told me that I was refreshing, and I didn't know exactly know how to take that. <laughs> well, I loved you on the radio, uh, the uh, by Red Wings. Uh, that was uh, oh man, that was the golden years of, oh, yeah. uh, of radio. <laughs> right, the old the Red Wings. I want to revive the song, but, but bring the, it back, bring it back. I want to, but the kids of today. They tell me it's too corny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Larry, I could go on. We'll have you back on the Red and White Authority. I know you have obligations for the fantasy camp, and uh, I always appreciate your time. It's great to see you. As I said, I, I, I will tell you, the first time you ever came on the radio with me, they go, Larry Murphy, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm back in the studio doing the show, and, and they go, yeah, we got a Red Wing. Larry Murphy wants to come on. And... And I said, Larry Murphy, because you just came here. You know, you were here for a couple of weeks. And they go, no, this guy loves you. He wants to go on. He actually wants to go on with you. And I was, like, stunned. Because, you know, because I followed your career. I've always yeah. been a big hockey fan. I said, Larry Murphy's a great player. Why would he want to talk to a slug like me? But Entertaining, Art. You're always entertaining. So. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks Take for care. doing this. Here's a team with spirit. Can't you feel it? There's a feeling of winning, can't you see it? Somewhere beyond the blue, somewhere beyond the sky It's about to spread its wings and let you know it can fly Red wings, my red wings Come on, come on, come on, let's fly Red wings, my red wings Can't you see it? Feel the rush of the wind. It's a power play again. Hey, there's fire on the ice tonight. 